Our next New Testament lessons are going to come from 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. I invite you to follow along with me in your own personal Bible or in your pew Bible in front of you, or you can also read along in the back of the order of worship. A reading from 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. Are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Surely we do not need, as some do, letters of recommendation to you or from you, do we? You, you, you yourselves are our letter, written on our hearts, to be known and read by all. And you show that you are our letter of Christ, prepared by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Such is the confidence we have through Christ towards God. Not that we are competent of ourselves to claim anything coming from us. Our competency is from God. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Every morning when I go out and walk, I don't know, you know, if you're a walker or if you're familiar with kind of how your, your neighborhood is laid out. But it seems like in my neighborhood, there's a few places where, you know, sometimes I walk early, so I just walk in the middle of the road. I mean, I'm just like, okay, nobody's going to run me over. I'm in the middle of the road. It's fine. But sometimes I'll walk in the middle of the road. Then sometimes I'll get over on the sidewalk. You know, it kind of varies from, from time to time, but I'm kind of all over. But I kind of walk in that way because sometimes... There's a car on the sidewalk, so I'll kind of get out and walk around it. Or, and there's always at some point in every walk that I make a point where I will get off the sidewalk and walk in the street, and the car will be kind of on the sidewalk or on the edge of the road. And so I'm walking in the road, and there's a car that will be coming at me. And I always think, okay, well, I hope they see me because if not, this is how I guess this is how I go. I don't know. So, And I, every time that happens, I always think, you know, if I had just waited Ten seconds later to walk this morning, this wouldn't have happened. And I always think about that. I always think about all the things that have to go into place for something to work out as it does. Either on scheduling, if you, if you, if you leave ten seconds too early or ten seconds too late, you know, something might happen to change it. It seems like all, all the different strands that are tied together and that are woven together to call something to happen at just the right moment, whether it be my walk and this car is coming right at me at that exact moment, or whether it be children's Sabbath. All the, think of all the stuff that had to go into this morning to get it to work just right. All the hours of practice that our volunteers did with our children. All the parents that had to get the kids up and bring them to church this morning. All the, all the sugar companies that had to make the sugary cereal to give us that little bit of kick to get here this morning, the, our goods at Star, good friends at Starbucks providing us with sweet, sweet caffeine. You know, all the different things that it takes to get us to this moment. Think about, think about worship. All the different things that it takes to, to make worship come place. Tim, all the work he does with the choir, Alan and Frank, all the work they do with the music, all Barbara and the office staff, all the work they do to get the bulletin right. I mean, just all these different things that, that, that have to go just right to make sure that everything works like it's supposed to work. There's so many moving parts that we don't always think about. I guess one reason why I've always liked sports. I've always liked teams, you know. You watch a football game, and if every lineman doesn't make their block, there's no hole for the running back to get through, you know? Or on basketball, if every player doesn't cut just right or the, the, the shooter's not in the right spot or the pass doesn't get there at the right moment, then it just doesn't, 
It just doesn't work. I've always liked that interconnectedness and that every piece has to work just right together to get it like it's supposed to. I, I, think, that's, I think that's beautiful. You know, in Scripture, there's a word for the team that is the church. And that word is the body. And the Bible, and Paul, and particularly in Corinthians, but all throughout it, we see in the text we read this morning how Paul's commending the individuals for their work. And Paul's always talking about all that it takes to make the body work. He says in Corinthians, some are apostles, some prophets. All the different gifts of the Spirit in Corinthians 12 and then again 14. But he's, he's saying that we need all these different gifts and all these different persons and all these different skill sets. Because it take, the church needs all of us. That this body of the church needs all of us to accomplish the things that, that it takes to make happen. It takes all of us. Like, so the notion of the body. Like, have you ever thought about what a miracle it is that you can see? Have you ever read about all that it takes, all that has to take place for you to be able to see? Your eye has to capture. The light has to come in right. It has to be reflected to the back of the eye, and the brain has to process it. All that it takes for you to be able to move, to speak, to think. These things, all the complicated processes that go into being to, to make sure that our body can function. I think that's a beautiful reason why Paul talks about the church as being a body. Because it takes all of us, all of our talents, all of our gifts, all of a, all the stuff that, 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 that it takes to make the church possible. It's a body. We are a living organism. And just the body takes every part of the body to make it work. So does the church. You know, every organization or team or body has a purpose. You know, the football team, their purpose, the individual players have the purpose of accomplishing their task. The line has to block. The running back has to run. The quarterback has to throw. These things. But the purpose is, is to win the ball game. That's the purpose. The body, its purpose is to live. What's the purpose of the church? I mean, is our purpose simply one hour on Sunday? I mean, that's, is that the point of church? It's just this one-hour block of time on Sunday? Or does the church exist for more? There's a great quote attributed to Teresa by Teresa of Avila, where she says, Christ has no hands but yours, nor feet, nor the feet but yours. I love this notion of the church being the body of Christ. We are the physical representation, the physical embodiment, the physical presence of Christ in the world. That's what the church is. We are the body of Christ. And if Jesus Christ is going to physically do something, if he's going to physically accomplish a purpose in the world today, he's going to use his body, which is the church. The church is that body of Christ. We are literally his hands, literally his feet. We are the physical presence, the physical embodiment. The word that theologians use is the incarnation. We are the incarnate presence of Jesus Christ. That is what the church is. Our goal is so much more than just one hour on Sunday. It's to change the world. It's to live out the grace of Jesus Christ in a hurting world. It's to live out the gospel. It's to live out his mission. It is to incarnate, to bring the presence of Jesus Christ into the world. 
But for that to happen, it takes all of us. Kay is amazing. But Christ-covered meals don't deliver themselves. It takes us all. Tim is amazing. But this choir doesn't magically fall from heaven. It takes bodies to make it happen. Our students in children's ministries are amazing. But it takes parents bringing children. It takes adults volunteering. It takes man hours to move things around. The body takes all of us to accomplish the mission that Christ has for us in the world. You know, we've been talking the last few weeks about fear and about having enough, about, about walking through the, through, the, through the door of fear. The first month of our stewardship series, we talked about our fear and how we're afraid. We know that the resurrection lies on the other side of the locked door. But to walk through this door can be scary. To walk through this door can requ- require a risk. It can be scary to, to walk through the locked door, to open up the locked door and let Jesus out, to open up the locked door and us go out. That's very scary. Last week, we talked about the cross and how Jesus Christ said, you must take up your cross and follow me. And Jesus said, you've got to die to yourself. You can't fully live for me until you die to you. And that's scary because I like doing what I want to do. And to make Jesus king of my heart means I've got to die to myself, and I don't always want to do that. I want to be in charge of my life, not Jesus. But life only happens when we do that, when we make him king of our lives. Today, y'all, we've got a big mission as the church. St. Matthew's has a big mission as the church. The body of Christ has a big mission at the church. And do we have enough? You know, I mean, you look in the bulletin, and this is the best year that our church has ever had in terms of financial giving. It's the best year we've ever had. But we're still, we think, oh, we're going to make budget. Oh, you know, we got this or we got that. Oh, and, and then, you know, if you haven't taken the survey yet with some of our dreams, the church is dreaming about the future with our facilities and our buildings. If you haven't seen that, you need to go on our website and, and take that survey. But, you know, should we even be talking about this now? I mean, th- th- think about, the, you know, are we going to make the budget? Oh, and what about other struggles in the church? Sh- shouldn't we just circle the wagons? And hunker down and stop dreaming and just hold on for dear life? Do we have enough to do this? Yes. Yes, we have enough. There is enough here in our church to do whatever it is God is calling us to. I believe in a God that gives dreams. I believe in a God that casts visions. I believe in a God that is always, always, always calling the church forward. No, I'm not saying we're going to buy any shovels to turn over any dirt. I ain't saying that. But I'm saying this. If our God is calling us to it, our God will provide for us what he is calling us to. There is enough here to accomplish whatever God's calling us to. If God is giving us a dream and a vision of faithfulness, there is enough here to do it. Because God is still God, and he is still sovereign, and this is his body. 
If we are dreaming and if we are being led, there is enough from our God to accomplish whatever God wants to accomplish. But is there enough in my budget, preacher? You know, is there enough in my budget? I mean, there's enough in the church, but is there enough for me? I've never in my life met a person that regretted giving to God. But I've met a lot of people that have regretted not giving. I've never met a person that said, oh, I just gave too much to God. Oh, I just gave too much of my, my gifts to God. I gave too much of my time. I gave, oh, I shouldn't have given that to God. I have never met a person that said that. Now, if that's you, come find me. If you regret giving to God of your time, of your finances, of your if you, if you regret that, come find me after the service because I don't want a lot of people. But I've never met an individual in my life or in my ministry that has regretted giving to God. Now, I've met a lot of people that have said, oh, I should do more. I should have given more to God. I've placed too many things ahead of God. My finances and my life and my time, I've, I've placed too many other things ahead of God. And they say it with regret in their voice. We all have enough. I've never, since I've been drawing a paycheck, since I've since I stopped taking money from Maxine and Connie Stoddard when I was in college, I have never not given 10% of that back to God. And I've never missed it. My family's never missed it. The average American for the last 50 years has given roughly 2% of their income to charitable causes. That number has not really gone up or gone down the last 50 years. It's always about that. We will never regret giving to God we will always regret not giving to God. So this morning, by the way, Kate nailed it. None of us like talking about this because some of you are guests. If you're a guest, thank you for being here with us this morning. And if you're a guest, if you're part of a local congregation, be faithful to them. If you're a member of another local church, your church needs you. Your church needs you. Because the body can't be the body without the members. If you are here and you've never really made the decision to be faithful, your church needs you right now. With your prayers, your presence, your gifts, your service, and your witness, with all that you are. If you don't give anything to the church at all, just start. Start giving something. $10 a week is what we're suggesting. Just start giving something. And if you start giving, by the way, our commitment card here, I tell people this. This is not like a contract. Like, if you make a commitment next week, we're not going to send Tim to your house with brass knuckles. We're not going to do that, I promise. What if, what if I make a commitment and something in my life changes? Okay, cool. The Lord understands. We're not taking a DNA sample. It's fine. This is just a spiritual commitment we make within ourselves to be faithful. 
We're asking people to start. Just start somewhere and see if God doesn't bless it. Once again, if you start, if you start giving, if you're not giving anything to the church next year, and you start next year, and you regret it, come tell me. If you regret it, come tell me. Well, it's okay. No one's ever came to me with that, but you might be, you might be the first. If you're not doing anything, start. If you're, if you're giving something, work towards a tithe. Work towards giving 10%. If you're tithing, what more can you do? God is calling our church to do great things, y'all. I believe that God has a vision for St. Matthew's that is unique and purposeful and tied to our church. And God wants to use you. God needs you. God cannot accomplish the vision he has for this church apart from you. Your voice matters. Your gift matters. Your talent matters. Your resources matter. You matter. And for us to be the body of Christ, we've got to be faithful. For his body to truly be on the move and grow, we need all of us. You, as Corinthians said, you are his law. It is written upon your heart. You are his consent. You are his example. You, you, you can do this. We always are afraid of enough. But that is the one thing we never have to fear because my father has a cattle on a thousand hills, y'all. My father made it all. There's nothing that you have been formed in the world that God did not make. The one thing we don't have to be afraid of is enough because our God is always enough. Our God has never failed us. And our God will never fail us. Yeah, it's scary. Yeah, it's worrisome. Yeah, there are doubts. Yeah, there are struggles. And yeah, the door looks scary, y'all. But when we open up the door and we look through, we will find that our God always has enough on the other side. Always has enough. God wants to do great things in this church and in every church. There's always enough. May we be faithful to our Father as our Father has been faithful to us. Let us pray. Gracious God, thank you for always giving us enough. Thank you for always providing for us. Thank you for always caring for us. Father God, may we live out the joy that you've given us. We ask it in Jesus' sweet and holy name. Amen.